Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. What is it with rock stars thinking this entire planet is some sort of all-you-can-eat, booty-groping, sexual smorgasbord? You should withdraw that. And if you don't, we will have to deal with it on the floor of the Senate. We're going to fight for those Australians who haven't got the time to go around and get on Twitter and wear T-shirts. The kids who are sick cannot do the hip-hop anymore. I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. G'day and welcome to The Curb. My name's Andrew Pearce and this is the podcast that's all about culture, unity, reviews and banter. This podcast is proudly recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of Perth region and I pay respects to the elders both past, present and emerging. On this episode, I chat with the director of the film Dog's Best Friend, which is screening at Melbourne Documentary Film Festival on July 23rd at 6.15pm. That director's name is Aaron Wilson. Aaron comes all the way from New Zealand and he flew to Australia to make this documentary about Jacob Lezak, who is a guy who runs a dog, well, a canine psychology rehab facility just out of Sydney. This is an interesting documentary and certainly, uh, you know, there's some interesting themes running in it. So let's jump into the interview and I'll be back at the end to remind you where you can check out this film. Talk about it. what do you need Fantastic. to know? Well, I I want to know all about your film. I want to know how yeah. it started. I want to I want to know yeah. all about um, why you started it and stuff like that. So sure. Um, well, I, I um, shall I just talk because yeah. I can talk for hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me first of all how you met Jacob and uh, and yeah decided to uh, to tell his story. Sure. Um, it was actually my mum. Uh, put me on to Jacob. Um, I grew up, come from a dog kind of loving family, and um, uh, my mum lives by herself, and she's always had dogs. Um, and she saw Jacob on YouTube, and um, also followed his Facebook page. And she just texted me one night saying, "You know, check out this guy. Um, he does these amazing things with dogs." And so I, um, I went and had a look, and I was like, "Wow!" And he's he's a real um, interesting looking guy you know like he's he's sort of had these sort of tattoos right up to his chin and he had this big beard and um sort of hoops in his ears and bare feet and shorts just sort of um you know kind of hard case character and and but really or, or, he looks good on screen um <laughs> and um i just went oh i'm gonna um i'm just gonna email him and see if because i've been looking for um i've trained as an actor um, but I, you know, it's one of those classic kind of uh, natural progressions where you sort of maybe get into directing. And I was looking for a project, and I thought a documentary would be something the guy could make a start on. 
without having to, you know, get money from somewhere or, you know, I knew enough people in the industry where I could get a mate to help me shoot it and I, and I had a, a professional sound recorder so I could make a start. But anyway, um, I actually just emailed Jacob and said, has anyone ever made any sort of documentary about you? And he said, no. I said, oh, would you be up for that? And he said, yeah, come over. <clears throat> he said, I've got um, 27 dogs, um, you know, I, I, um, I'm ex-military, um, I live here um, with my girlfriend and I rehabilitate dogs and it's I'm like the third third generation um, and I just like went wow so I sort of um, got an airfare together for myself and um, my cameraman and uh, we went over and we shot um, we well, well he, we literally I forgot to say he said come over and stay as long as you like so we went over there and we stayed on his um, in his house slept on his couch for a week. Right. And uh, and filmed enough footage to um, put together a Kickstarter video. Oh, that's um, good, yeah. yeah. So we were always going to crowdsource fun because we thought if we can, I thought if we can tap into the dog lovers out there, we'd be able to raise a little bit of money to to make the doco. And so we did. Um, we 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 did the week with Jacob. We cut together a video, and then we put on a Kickstarter campaign together. And over a month, I think it was four weeks, we raised uh, thirty four thousand. Uh, New Zealand dollars, and um, Kickstarter take their five percent, whatever it is. They took the four grand. We had thirty left, and yeah, we we began to go backwards and forwards from New Zealand to Australia um, to sort of commence making a documentary about this guy. So, how um, long did you uh, <coughs> spend with him to to film the whole thing as well? We we, um, we we made about I think we did about five visits, um, an average of um, seven to ten days per visit. But we shot it over about eighteen months. Okay. Yeah, so about a year and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's really interesting, and it's certainly, as you're saying, he is a very interesting character as well. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, there's uh, for for people who haven't seen the trailer or anything like that, there is a very striking uh, big dog tattoo under his chin as well. So, as you're saying, he's got a lot of uh, <coughs> tattoos. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So, what what surprised you the most about? the the process of filmmaking and and making a documentary um the that i guess the thing about documentary um and i had a, i had a decent plan sort of going into it and i'd spoken to some mentors in the industry here in new zealand and um w- one thing that struck me quite quickly was how unremarkable uh the dogs were sometimes so you know you kind of imagine uh, rabid dogs kind of trying to bite anything that comes near it um but the dogs, when they were around Jacob, they often didn't present with the problems that the owner was ta- had been talking about. Right. So, so we didn't have like the the drama. They weren't the dogs and their behaviour weren't naturally dramatic in a kind of a filmic sense. And I had to. What, but but what was great is the other thing was is that the more time I spent with Jacob and his wife Jenna, and I found out that he was ex SAS and bits and pieces. I I became more and more intrigued with the people. So um, my documentary, yes, dog lovers love the film, but there's more. There's sort of more going on, mm. uh, and you know, um, yeah, it's 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 that stuff kind of um, intrigued me, and I, I sort of I am interested in kind of the human condition and how we operate in the world, and um, I the more time I spent with them, the more I was like, you know, I thought I'm going to talk to Jacob more about his sort of backstory, and then talk to Jenna about her life and. You know, she's. Um, have you seen the film? Have you, I, have you watched it? I did. Yeah, I watched it. Yesterday. Yeah, right. Well, she's. You know, she's. Um, 
she's got a really colourful kind of background. And, um, you know, what I realised quite quickly is that Jacob doesn't just save dogs. He saves people as well. Um, and during the time we filmed the documentary, at least at least five people came through the centre who, who didn't want to be on camera for, you know, um, some of them were kind of like kind of legal reasons or some of them were just personal things. They didn't want to be seen. Mm. Um, but Jacob had them there working with the dogs, kind of as therapy, I guess, giving them some focus, giving them a job to do um, and giving them kind of some uh, some hope. And so he's, he's kind of like, a, um, you know, he's one of those guys, if I rang him, and, he, and they are, I think of them as my good friends now, if I rang him and told him I was in a crisis and, He'd, he'd, he's one of those guys who'd be there in a heartbeat. He's very, very loyal. And, um, you know, also it's no um, surprise that he's he's kind of isolated himself from people a little bit. Like he, he lives kind of semi-rurally. Um, he doesn't really trust people. He trusts dogs. Um, and to be one of his human friends is actually quite a privilege. He, he doesn't have a whole bunch of friends. Um, and so I... You know, as a documentary maker, I'm sure all documentary makers who are dealing with 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 maybe one person as their kind of main kind of protagonist, you, you become very conscious of your relationship and the trust between you. And um, you know, for example, I knew that if he lost interest in this project at some stage, then I didn't have a film. And um, I did a silly thing. Well, it's not silly. It wasn't silly for me, but you know, in terms of release forms and stuff. Um, usually, you know, you get someone to sign a release form so you can basically film them and, you know, you, you've got ownership of the footage, essentially. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't feel comfortable approaching Jacob with that kind of conversation so so soon in the piece. And what I actually did was we finished the film, shot the film. I always wanted to make a film that him and his wife, Jenna, would be okay about. I was never going to sort of shoot it and go, well, too bad, I'm going to go and make this thing and cut it together however I like and sensationalise bits and pieces. I took it, we took the film back to him and, and Jenna, showed them the film and then got them, asked them to sign a release form. So I basically got his okay with the film and just so he could see. Because, you know, if you're dealing with people that don't know anything about the industry and don't know, you know, mm. um, they don't. there's a trust thing when they go, well, what are you going to say? Like, what about, what about the stuff I've said to you? How are you going to use that? And, you know, um, people that are savvy with um, media know if you don't want it to end up on a film, you don't talk about it because there's no such thing as off the record. Whereas um, he's, you know, I, Jacob and Jenner, I found out all sorts of things about them. Um, not bad stuff, just, just, just sort of sensitive things and intimate things. And um, I just went, oh, I'm not going to put that up, you know, not going to put that out there. But we, we established this real sense of trust, I guess. Yeah. And that's something I, I learned firsthand is, you know, I was like, that's really important with documentaries, getting people on side before you start getting the cameras out, you know. Oh, definitely. Um, Especially when telling a story that is, you know, that is the, the core theme of this of this story is about, you know, trust and, and earning the trust of, of dogs and, and mm. other people as well. Um, yes. So it's, it's interesting absolutely. to see that that's reflected in the filmmaking process as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's several, oh, sorry, you go. Oh, no, 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 it's all right, you go. What were you going to say? I was just going to say that, um, uh, you know, for people who sort of see the film, w what's happened um, by accident is that we've um, at least probably five of the main pack of dogs that Jacob has that, you know, help with rehab, 
um, are all dead now. They're all gone. And um, uh, because I started probably was it maybe four years ago now uh, making the film, but you know, um, what, at the end of the film it says, um, uh, you know dedicated to Achilles, which is one of the dogs that passed away mm. while we're in the post-production process. Well, um, you know, usually in the Q&A or something, I sort of chat about it, but the, um, there are there's Achilles, um, uh, Malachi uh, 7, um, trying to think, there's two more um, that are all gone. now. Oh, no. they've, they've died either of old age or um, you know, illness or something like that. So yeah. we've sort of, but what we've done is we've sort of captured them um, you know, uh, a little piece of history, um, and so he'll always sort of have that, I guess. But um, you know, l- that's the sad thing. You know, you you look after these dogs and you you help these dogs and you um, rehabilitate these dogs. But um, you know, dogs only have a short life compared to humans, and you know, it's lovely being around all these dogs, but then they all have to go at some stage. Mm. So um, and it really knocks Jacob and Jenna. Um, you know Malachi, the, the the white husky, Siberian husky. He he's the most recent one to pass away, and and they're just kind of devastated. You know, I mean, any dog lover who has a dog that dies is devastated. But it's just like you know they've they've had a couple over the last six months, and it just it must just get you while you're down. It's like not another one. You know, it's like you know having siblings or or relatives die. You know, quite close together. It's just like really. Yeah, but tough, but yeah can I have a break? It's this is a bit yeah. much. Yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> yeah. mate. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I uh, before getting into film and stuff like that, I I used to I worked as a vet nurse for a good eight years, and so oh, wow. that uh, that whole um, unfortunate it is very cyclical kind of cyclical kind of uh, thing of, of losing animals and things like that, and yes. and it's it's never easy, um, and especially I imagine for for Jacob, especially having such a strong bond with all of them. Like he is, yes, yes. he is with them twenty four seven. Yes, so that's got to be really hard, and it's sad, especially because those ca- those dogs that you mentioned are, are major characters. They're, yes, you know they're huge, huge roles in in his life and and the film itself. Yeah, yeah. It's, I feel like we sort of get we get to sort of know them a wee bit, and um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's yeah, it just sort of is what it is. But no, it's been a, an amazing um, sort of journey um, as a filmmaker, and you know I've already got my sort of second doco that I'm going to shoot later this year here in New Zealand. But it's um, I le- you know, the, this, it's a steep learning curve, and I made plenty of mistakes. Um, but you know, that's just you know, it's part of the deal. But uh, yeah, it's great. yeah. So what? What? I mean, not to open any fresh wounds or anything like that. But yeah. what kind of mistakes did you learn? And oh, um, just. Like, I cut a trailer, like the little video that we used to raise money through Kickstarter. Um, I had um, uh, Premiere Pro, which I was using, because I can do a little bit of editing. And um, I thought, oh, um, great, great, okay. We don't need, we've done the Kickstarter campaign now, and I deleted the project file oh, no. <laughs> um, for, the, for that edit. And it's like, mate, the amount of times I've wanted a high-res version of that that little video, and I'm like, I have to go through and cut it all together from scratch or just, you know, use the low, slightly lower res one. Just just stupid stuff like that. A project file is so small in size, it's like you don't throw anything away. And that's just stu- that was just stupid. Um, uh, what else? Um, oh, I made the mistake of, um, I don't think Jacob would mind me saying this, I made the mistake of kind of talking to Jacob about money. <laughs> I said, oh, mate, we're actually, we're actually out of money. I, you know, I don't know if I can get over there next time, da-da-da. Him and I sort of, 
you know, we we, we had words um, and sort of, you know, I, I can understand from his perspective, um, it sounded like, probably sounded like I was saying, look, it's, you, you know, this process is costing me money and time, almost like, not that he was a burden, but just that it was really hard for me or something. I don't know. I didn't, that's a conversation I didn't need to have with him, yeah. um, especially with our relationship, you know, in terms of making the film. And it did, it spooked me a little bit because I was like, well, God, I hope we can sort of, you know, um, because the other thing was Jacob, you know, I did a few bits and pieces, video stuff for him, for his business. And, and I was always putting the film first and, um, you know, it's just, just, I don't know, just one of those things where he didn't quite know what was involved with, with at my end. I didn't know what his day to day life was like. And, um, you know, I imagine if you're, if you're a person who's someone's making a documentary about you, you can feel like people are coming in and sort of filming you and taking a piece of you away with them to God knows where doing, doing God knows what with it. Um, and in the meantime, you know, you just sort of, I don't know, it's, it's, it was a big thing to let someone into your life. Oh and yeah. So, um, we just, yeah, was, especially in such an intimate way as well, because you, yes, you are yes. there and, uh, people are being very open. And I, I imagine that's, that's one of the things that's got to be hard as a filmmaker is trying to get that, that right balance of the relationship and not, Yes, and, and all that kind of stuff. Which, uh, yes, yeah, well, it's I've got key, no it's, idea how you do it. <laughs> oh, it's the key. I think it's and and it's and without blowing my own trumpet, I think it is a strength I have. I, like I'm, I am naturally interested in people, and um, you know, I, I do get on with people kind of easily, and I am I am genuinely interested and and intrigued um, by human beings and how we kind of operate in the world and and the differences between us and. Um, I just, I was just, I'm quite happy. I wasn't going, oh, shit, I want to get the camera out. I'm like, oh, I'm quite happy, you know, sitting here around the campfire talking about his old kind of war stories or, or, or about his life with the dogs and, and, like, genuinely interested in, you know, loved that. So it's just like there was no sense of being impatient, um, you know, or, or kind of going, oh, come on. I don't know. I just, I just, um, I just knew that um, I was onto something that I'm kind of good at or that, that, that I, as a natural fit because there's so much chatting and listening and, and um, taking mental notes and, and uh, just asking genuine questions, you know, because the other thing is you, it's all very well to make a, you know, there were times where I went, ah, I'm making a 60 minutes special news special by accident and I need to find what's cinematic about this. Mm. You know, they're like, that's one of the learning things for me is like, you know, it's all very well to sort of make a doco and find out about something but what turns it into something that's actually worth people sitting down and spending their money and time watching as a film and, and not, and not a, not a 20, 20, 60 minutes kind of news story. And for me, that was the, 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 the humans, the people. Um, and, um, yes, the dogs, like I said before, but you know, uh, yeah, I, I once I realized that Jacob was ex military, um, I thought if I can get as close to, I can as I can to sort of, you know, dig a little bit deeper with that stuff, then, um, we get an insight into the man and then, you know, people start to engage as an audience and, um, yeah, it's a, it's a richer story, you know, mm. it's not, he's not just a guy who, um, you know, rehabs dogs. He's, he's a, yeah, he's fought in, in wars, you know, which yeah. is a very diff- different 
kind of human being. Yeah, and and the stories of of him, you know, being in those those wars and stuff like that are really they are important because it, it shows that um, you know through the dogs that he has grown as a person as well. That mm-hmm. they've yes. helped him deal with his own traumas, which are, yeah, yeah. And well, look, I I also went. Oh, look, I need to get um, you know the the deep dark secrets. I need to you know get all this sort of juicy juicy information about his sort of from his war stories and and then i was like that's that's once again that's sensational that's the 20 20 60 minutes angle what i and 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 subsequently in the film he suggests things or we can read into what he's saying without him actually saying it if that makes sense and i just think Mm -hmm. that's a you've always got to let your audience audiences are always miles ahead and they're always doing lots of the work and you've got to actually let them you know watch their own version of the film if you like rather than sort of spelling everything out and being sort of sensational for for sensationalism's sake you've actually got to let your audience kind of i don't know sort of read into the film and um but people have audiences have loved it mate you know here in new zealand we we sold i think we sold out four screenings um across new zealand and and um had really good numbers at all the other screenings so word got around pretty quick and you're up against a whole bunch of it's a big big festival here in new zealand so um I'm kind of really sort of proud that we um, that we did the sort of business that we did. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, it really is. Um, from an Australian perspective, like I, yeah. I was reading up about the New Zealand film industry last year, and mm, mm, just mm. Uh, you know, it because it, I'm a huge champion of the Australian film industry, and I was like, oh, yes. I should really kind of look into the New Zealand film industry too, and try and push that a little bit much as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. But the, you guys don't really have that much that I can see that it's kind of going on excessively. Um, is it just because it's a small country or is it just, it's hard to get funding for filming? Um, we've got our, I mean, we've got our film commission here that you, um, you know, is involved with funding in part, at least um, uh, several features. Like I, I, if you, like if you looked up um, last year, I, actually a friend sent me a, um, a document that had all the films um, that were made in New Zealand that year, and we we're on the bottom of the list, you know, where as um, it's in no particular order, but just that we were part of that year, which was cool. Um, but there were there were a whole bunch of films. Um, they might not all be uh, funded directly out of New Zealand or or one hundred percent film commission, but um, I, I get things the scale, definitely a scale thing, you know. Yeah, um, uh, yeah the country's only so big. Yeah. Um, and I imagine that it's also a bit hard as well, uh, you know, to to kind of break out of, um, you know, break through the, the Hollywood stuff that, that tends to permeate everywhere <coughs> and then get a reach uh, into audiences' minds and stuff like that, that this particular film exists. Um, so it's great to hear that, you know, you had sellout sessions and stuff like that. Um, yeah. <coughs> I imagine that that's where the value of, of film festivals come in, uh, especially, you know, I see that the... And NZIFF uh, Film Festival, um, yes. and then of course uh, for this particular the interview we're doing right now, Melbourne Documentary Film Festival as well, which is it's great. You know they are specialty film festivals, but um, uh, certainly they people know exactly what they're coming to get with those kinds of festivals. So uh, for you as a filmmaker, how valuable is that uh, that that these places <coughs> exist? Oh mate, I, quite simply, I, I feel like if you don't have a marketing budget, like if you don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to put into marketing then you know arguably your, your your kind of viral campaigns and your facebook's and everything is and and certainly your, your festival circuit is the way that your film um gets seen 
Um, and look, if you don't if you don't have an audience, it's no you know, it's not even worth making the film because they're made to be seen, of course. But um, yeah, the the festival circuit certainly for Dog's Best Friend um, has meant that you know thousands of people have seen it who are, otherwise wouldn't. Um, you can argue that you know your festival audience can be quite different to your mainstream uh, kind of audience. And once again, here in New Zealand, if I'm if I was trying to um, outside of the festival circuit, trying to get my film seen at the local cinemas, it just you know at some kind of uh, you know I don't know Hoyts or um, I was trying to think one of those big big sort of blockbustery film places. It's, it's you'd need a really big marketing budget to do that to play with the big boys. And um, um, I think look if we didn't have um, these these festivals and um, and regardless of their size or scale, uh, many many films wouldn't get seen. And this is where we like I've I now have even like locally I've got a reputation. Like I trained as an actor in ninety three ninety four, and I've been in the industry a very long time. Um, you know, not I'm not famous, but um, you know, locally industry wise, people know who I am. But um, I'm I'm sort of seen or known, I guess, as this sort of guy that makes docos. Now, you know, like, it's like suddenly from being in a couple of festivals and doing the publicity stuff, and we won um, Best Documentary at Sydney Indie, and it's like you, you become this, suddenly you're this filmmaker. And, um, you know, it takes a bit of getting used to, and I sort of, you know, you, you kind of go, oh, I can't call myself a filmmaker yet. Can I? Maybe I can. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's a it's a funny kind of experience. But, yeah, I owe it all to the, to the, to the festivals. And um, I've... You know, I've I've been to Melbourne maybe three times in my life and um, just absolutely love the place. Um, but to go, to to bring a film over, it's just like it's it's I've got a reason to be there other than being a tourist, and it's a really lovely kind of uh, feeling. I can't wait um, to come over and 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 share the film um, with a, with a Melbourne audience. And um, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's exciting. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think it'll go down a treat, that's for sure. And it's 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 interesting you're saying about the finding comfort in becoming a, like calling yourself a filmmaker, even though yeah, like, I think that that's the interesting thing about you know making things nowadays is that often we've made the thing, you know, like you've made a documentary, so therefore, you know, you are a filmmaker, but it's knowing yes. that you you can call yourself that label, so it's. It's it's hard. It's hard, I imagine, yes. to to be able to do that and and feel comfortable at doing it. But you you can wear that that tag with pride with pride because it's a it's a really good film. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, are you going <coughs> to stick in the documentary field, or you might well, break out? Yeah. Elsewhere? Look, from making this film naturally, um, probably with my local film commission, and um, you know, people like if I'm going for funding to make another doco, I've probably got a better chance of. Um, getting funding to make a documentary because I've already made one independently than I would if I were making a scripted, you know, narrative feature. So um, I am making my next doco just because, once again, I can just get going on it. Mm-hmm. I, I know what I want to do. I can make contact with the people. I can sort of set it up. I can even start filming it um, because with documentary, you know, as long as the sound is professional quality, you can, you, people are shooting on all sorts of things, People, you know, iPhones and all, all sorts of things. So I can sort of get going. So there's a nice... I feel like I can. Um, there's momentum. Um, whereas if I'm going for funding, you send in your application and you're waiting for someone else to tell you um, that that you can make this film. And you and you do need the money because you need to. You need you know you do need a, um, a decent camera gear and a, and a proper crew and and all that sort of stuff. Um, but but I've um, through the local film commission, I've I've um, had a short narrative short that I wrote and directed. Um, actually, 
played the dad in. Um, and, um, yeah, I've, that was a, a narrative piece that I got funded through the commission. And so I am sort of quietly developing a um, feature script, um, you know, that I'm, that I'm writing as well. And it's a whole different beast. It's a whole different ballgame. And, um, you know, there's obviously a steep learning curve in that department too. But um, I just I just get you – I'm 46 now, and you just often, um, I don't know, sort of creatives, you get to an age and stage where you go, I've sort of got something to say. You know, and I, and I feel like I'm in a place where I want to comment on something or, or say something sort of filmically. And, um, yeah, that happens to be now. Part of me wishes I'd have made a documentary 10 years ago. But um, I wouldn't have been ready to do it then. And you know how you – I remember being at high school and um, being 16 and this young 13-year-old third, third, guy came along and I used to play the drums. And he came along and I was next in line to be the school drummer because the oldest guy left. And then um, this young 13-year-old came in and he was amazing and took over being the school drummer, and I missed out, and I was like, ah, and so I, I just gave up, I gave up playing the drums, so I thought I was too old at 16, so um, my point is that, you know, yes, I'm 46, and I'm, I've, I've made my first documentary, but, um, you know, I could have been 56 or 66, and I don't think you're ever too old, um, and um, some of our best, most amazing kind of, you know, documentary filmmakers in New Zealand are probably in their 60s easily, so... Is, you know, something comes with a bit of wisdom, you know, you, um, you, in terms of having something to say in the way you say it. So, yeah, yeah it just, just feels right to be yeah. where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, you could, like, I think the main thing is that, you know, yes, you, you can say that, oh, I, I could have made something 10 years ago, but the key thing is, is at least you made something. You know, it doesn't yes, matter when yes, you yes, did yes. it, at least you've made yes. something. And that's fantastic like that that's worthwhile applauding because there are there are so many people out there who uh you know say oh i should do this or i should do that and yeah you know that they all the adage of like oh, we've all got a book in us and stuff like that yeah, and, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah actually yeah. sitting down and actually doing that so it's yes. impressive that you've you've done that and then you're following it up with with even more of it so uh, i applaud yeah. you for doing that it's an inspiration <laughs> oh thanks mate i've certainly done my fair share of um you know, having a few beers and wines at the pub talking about an idea, um, you know, uh, and not doing anything about it. So um, I know that I know that well too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I've been down that path as well, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's having the gumption to be able to go, you know, hey, there's this guy that's in Australia who has an interesting story. I'm going to fly across and yeah. tell his story and. Uh, you know that's that's impressive. It, it really well, is. Yeah. yeah. One of the one of the interesting things is, is I didn't even think this through, but you know when you're kind of um, publicising the film, or, or you know I was thinking about going for post production funds. You know, in New Zealand, it's like uh, it's sort of about an Australian guy. It's not really a New Zealand thing. And then in Australia, it's like uh, it's sort of Kiwi filmmaker kind of. And so you you sort of accidentally. I mean, I was just intrigued by Jacob, and I, you know, yes, yes, the two countries are different, but we, you know, the, as the years go by, I feel like we, I mean, I've got so many friends who live, um, certainly in Sydney and Melbourne, and it's like, um, I don't know, I've, my sister lives in Sydney, she's been there for like 15 years, um, I don't feel like we're so different, and yet, you know, if you, you can accidentally shoot yourself in the foot when you're trying to get some funding, because, um, you know, they want it to be sort of a New Zealand film made by Kiwis, and, and likewise in Australia, and understandably, I get it. But it's just um, it made it a little bit difficult, so I had to uh, just sort of soldier on myself. Yeah, but, so that's that's yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I I wondered about that because we like in Australia at least we make films that technically are Australian, but you know they get made in different countries and things like that. Yes, um, yes. And 
you watch them and you think, okay, well, I know that that is technically an Australian film, but it was made in Afghanistan or yes. New Guinea or something like that. Um, so I, it's all a label, really. It's, it yeah. all boils down to the fact that it's still a film um, and it doesn't really matter whose story is being told or who is telling it. It's, uh, yes. Yeah. Which doesn't yeah, really uh, satiate the uh, the funding bodies, I guess. But you know, no. it's still. <laughs> I mean, they are they are pretty specifically worded once you sort of look into it. But I just hadn't. But you know, there's like you have, I think it's like the writer, producer, and or director. At least two of the three main creatives need to be from that country or something. Or maybe um, uh, it's not about where it was shot so much, but like who who's involved with the project. So um, uh, it's not that I it's not that I couldn't apply for funding. It's just that I, you know. If I'd made um, a film about a, a guy in New Zealand who was rehabilitating dogs, then it would have been a little bit easier locally to get a bit of funding, I think. But um, but I'm glad that I really love the fact that it's kind of fully independent because it's, you know, it sort of proved that you can sort of do it. And, um, you know, it's when you're the hard slog of, like, you've shot it, it's in the can, the edit's happening, it's not quite coming together, you're trying to find the shape of it. There's all these kind of, like... Oh man, and then the feeling to actually have an audience watch it is nerve-wracking. But like going, oh man, it's done now. It's done. It's um, it's out there, and um, for it to have a life, um, you know, it's been this will be the it'll be the fourth festival, um, but also yeah, it's uh, hopefully um, it'll have a future where we can sort of get it out beyond um, beyond festivals, which will be great. Um, I think being dog, being a dog. Um, I always try and tell people that it's not just for dog lovers. Yes, people who love dogs will definitely love the film. There's no question. Um, but uh, it's about a bit more than that, I'd like to think, and um, of, uh, of people that have just randomly chosen films at the festival and come along, have come along to this one, and they've gone, wow, I really enjoyed that. It's not, it's, um, it's not just what I thought it would be. It was yeah. sort of more, which is nice. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I do. Um, look, I've taken up a heap of your time, and I really appreciate it, uh, especially cool, being man. able to, to push out the film and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Usually, because I'm usually interviewing Australian filmmakers, but yes. uh, I'm curious from a New Zealand perspective, I, I tend to wrap up interviews by asking uh, for a film that is from the person's home country that they really uh, think is worthwhile seeking out that people haven't seen. So is there a New Zealand film that you really enjoy? Maybe a documentary that uh, you think that people should really seek out and, and catch? Mm. Um, well, I, look, there are so many. You put me on the spot. I think the, <laughs> the one the one that sort of um, is, still sits with me now at the moment um, is a film called My Year with Helen. Um, and it's a film about Helen Clark, who was our, our Prime Minister before our current Prime Minister, and um, she's over at the UN, and um, um, yeah, Gaylene Preston follows her for a year uh, through... I mean, it sounds kind of political and boring, but it's just like seeing um, this amazing woman uh, moving through what is a very political kind of environment, um, and her... just her matter-of-factness and her... Um, her grace and her intelligence. And, you know, when she was Prime Minister here, people had sort of mixed thoughts about her. I mean, I loved her. But when you see a documentary made about her in a whole different context in a different part of the world, it's like, wow, that's who she is. Oh, my God, we had an amazing Prime Minister when we did, and um, we only saw her in two dimensions, you know. And um, so My Year with Helen uh, is, is a fantastic film. There's heaps, there's, um, there's heaps of good 
docos here, but um, yeah, that's one that I saw quite recently. Yeah, it is. That is that is actually on my uh, to watch list. I've been meaning to see it for a while, and I know that there's a service uh, called Doc Play. I don't know if it's a, where where else it's available, but in Australia at least, you can, oh yeah, uh, where you can rent uh, specifically focus around documentaries and. Yes, it was the highlighted film on on there a few weeks ago, and I was like, I must, oh, wow. must sit down and watch that. But I've been working through all the Melbourne documentary uh, films for the festival coming up, and doing interviews and stuff like that. So it all that will have to uh, once I've wrapped up with that, I'll, I'll jump into that because it looks like a great film. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. man. Yeah, well, great. Look, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it, and uh, and certainly, you know, good luck for the, the this particular festival and all future festivals, and your next documentary too, and and in turn your your feature films when they uh, eventually come, because it sounds like they definitely will. So yeah, thanks, Andrew. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure chatting. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you uh, enjoyed this interview with director Aaron Wilson talking about his documentary Dog's Best Friend, which once again is screening at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival on July 23rd at 6.15pm. Head over to the website mdff.org.au to purchase tickets. Make sure to purchase them in advance as well because these screenings are selling out and there's a lot of great stuff showing at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival as well. So make sure to check out the website and keep an eye on what interests you it kicks off very very soon hey if you like what i do on the website head over to the website thecurb.com.au follow us on social media facebook.com forward slash thecurbau twitter.com forward slash thecurbau and if you want to do the extra step head over to patreon.com forward slash thecurbau throw as little as a dollar behind the website a month and it just helps the, the site keep on running it's very fantastic We've got Osgus coming up, which is the Australian Film Month, and there will be a few competitions which will be exclusive to Patreon subscribers. So if you are a Patreon subscriber, then fantastic. If you're not, jump on board because I'm going to have a few exclusive things going on over there. Once again, as little as a dollar a month really helps the website keep on going. Hey, thanks again, guys, for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of The Curb. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Get great fall savings on all your home care and entertaining needs during the fall home care event at Safeway. Head into Safeway and get deals on products like Clorox disinfecting wipes, Swiffer wet mopping cloths, Lysol all-purpose cleaner, Swiffer wet jet mopping pads, Mr. Clean multi-surface cleaner, or Lysol power toilet bowl cleaner. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for more details. Offers expire October 31st. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary.